Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing having essential money conversations with your parents with Cameron Huddleston. That's right, Joel. Cameron Huddleston is an award-winning journalist with more than 17 years of experience writing about personal finance. Her work has appeared in Kiplinger's Personal Finance, Business Insider, Chicago Tribune, plus many more. And she's been all over TV too. She's appeared on MSNBC, Fox, and CNN. Cameron has recently published her book, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk which is all about having essential conversations with your parents about their finances. And be sure to stick around until the end of this episode so that you can find out how you can enter to win a copy of the book as well. So Cameron, thanks so much for joining us on this episode. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So Cameron, every week on the show, Matt and I, we have a beer today on the show. We're drinking a beer called Fairy Nectar by Cross Strain Brewing Company. And big thanks to our listener, Joey in Omaha for sending it our way. So we intentionally drink a beer on every episode because we think that even while saving for the future and thinking ahead uh, about your money, we should also splurge in the here and now and live life to the fullest. So what's your splurge? What's your beer equivalent? (laughs) I have a couple of beer equivalents. One is certainly travel. And I know people don't always think of that as a splurge. They think of it as a, you know, a great part of life, getting out there and seeing and do things. And we have a goal of getting our kids to all 50 states. So travel is one thing that we're definitely willing to spend money on. And then my two guilty pleasures that I think some people might see as a splurge. One is home decor. Like I, I, I am like such a huge fan of interior design magazines and blogs and I want my house to look nice. So I will splurge on things that make my house look nice. Now, because I'm a personal finance journalist, I am strategic about my purchases. I wait for sales. I look for a good deal. So I'm not out there buying the most expensive sofa. 
you can find. In fact, I'm haggling with the store owner to get a good deal on this sofa, which I've, <laughs> which I've done with about every piece of furniture and rug and everything that I have at my house. And so that's one thing I splurge on and then jewelry too. But I don't, again, I don't buy really expensive diamond rings or diamond earrings. You know, all my nice stuff is stuff that I've inherited that I could never afford on my own. It's just, you know, inexpensive costume jewelry that I like. And you know, these, are, <laughs> these are the things that I, these are my guilty pleasures. Well, it's always nice to kind of get a window into what people value. And I feel like this question kind of kicks off things in a really interesting way. And I love that you already brought up your ambitious travel goals. Can you tell us kind of what your goals are traveling with your family? And then like, how are you saving money on those travels? I would say that my I have three kids and my oldest two have been to more than half of the states already. My youngest wow. has some catching up to do. However, <laughs> and, and we got off track a little bit last year because we didn't use our summer vacation time to visit more states. We ended up going overseas, but that's because my husband is a foreigner. So he went overseas to see his family and tucked in a trip to Paris and Dublin, Ireland on the way there and on the way back to Ukraine. That sounds rough. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but it was a little bit rough because we flew into Paris and had, what, two or three days there. And we got there in the morning and my husband was so determined to get our money's worth that we, I mean, we had to hit the ground running and like start sightseeing from the moment we got there. I ended up falling asleep on a boat tour through Paris because I <laughs> I was so exhausted. <laughs> my kids were like, like oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was, oh great. my gosh. I know my kids are like, mom, mom, you're asleep. Your mouth's hanging open. I'm like, I don't care. I'm so tired. <laughs> you know, but we, because we do travel, we're always looking for ways to save money on it. Like if we aren't using rewards points from credit cards to pay for hotels or pay for flights, we're, we are searching and searching and searching for the best deal on flights, on accommodations. We plan out our itineraries thoroughly to find dining options that fit within our budget, looking for free and low cost things to do. We spend a lot of time when we're planning our travel. So it, we're certainly not fly by the seat of our pants type of people. We put a lot of planning into it just so we can make it fit within our budget. Nice. As far, as far as seeing the country, seeing the U.S., are y'all flying to different cities and kind of going on little little jaunts there? Or are you actually road tripping and, and taking like the RV, kind of doing that whole thing? Because that's something I've been actually thinking about doing in the near future with my family. We have flown to destinations and we have driven. We have not done the RV. My husband wants to so badly. Like he really wants to rent one. He's talked about buying one. And I'm like, no, we're not buying an RV. Think about how many trips we could take for the amount we'd have to spend for an RV. He's still hanging on to that idea. I am, I am not on board with it, even though I do like a good road trip. I'm not super excited about the cost of an RV, even if it comes to renting one, because I feel like if we take our car, stay in hotels versus the cost of the RV, the rental cost, the gas, I don't feel like we would actually come out ahead. Yeah, that that can be true totally depending on on how much you use the RV, you know, whether how old the RV is that you're buying if you're buying one stuff like that. So I love hearing about your travels, but I want to kind of start talking about the book here in just a second. Before that, can you kind of tell us about how you started writing about money for a living? Kind of what what drew you into that? I became a journalist right out of college. I was a journalism major. But I was just a general assignment reporter at a daily newspaper and had no experience writing about money or business. I didn't take a single course <laughs> on business or money. So I, I just happened to fall into it. I had been a reporter for several years. And in my late 20s, I landed a job with Dow Jones Newswires as a business reporter. And thought, I want to stick with this line of reporting for a variety of reasons. But because I had not taken any business-related courses during my undergrad years, I decided to get a master's at American University. They had a program where you could pick a specialty, and I chose economic journalism, took economics courses, business courses. And it helped that I had a free tutor, my husband, who was getting his doctorate in economics at the time. And oh, nice. yeah, handy. yeah, it was super <laughs> handy. And I was like, all right, if I get stuck, I've got someone who can help me out. 
that program lasted for a year. And when I graduated, I graduated into the beginning of a recession. It was 2001. The economy was starting to slow and Dow Jones had a hiring freeze, so I couldn't get my job back there. Other places had hiring freezes where I wanted to work, but Kiplinger's Personal Finance was hiring an editor for its website, which was pretty new at the time. I mean, this was 2001 and really web journalism online journalism was a very new thing. I had always written for print and really didn't know much about writing for the web and didn't know anything about personal finance, but they took a chance on me and I stayed with it. I I really enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. And I realized how much I have benefited from the job. I, I didn't really know much about personal finance before I got started writing about it and learned so much that has helped me in my everyday life. Things I probably would not have learned if I hadn't gotten that job. What better way to learn than just to <laughs> get thrown right, right into then the Then force deep yourself end. into yeah, it. Be, be <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I like it. I want to I hear more about your book. So it's called Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. And just in a nutshell, can you describe for our listeners, just what your book is all about? My book is encouragement for people, adult children, to have conversations with their parents about their finances. I go through the reasons why you need to have these conversations, how to get over your fears of having these conversations, some tips on starting the conversation, how to get through to reluctant parents, what sort of information you need to gather, and what to do if your parents refuse to talk to you. Yeah, Cameron, I'm actually in this book. I make a little appearance, which is crazy cool. So thank you for having me in the book. Uh, and I kind of told my story about talking with my parents about money and and what that was like for me. So so tell me about the folks that told their story in this book. Like what what were some of the most interesting things that you heard from the people that you invited to participate? I feel so fortunate that people were willing to share their stories with me because I got lots of great stories. They range from people like you, Joel, who had parents who were very reluctant to talk about their finances, to some people who had the conversation and were surprised by how easy it was. You know, they had a lot of fears about having bringing it up. And when they actually did, their parents were really willing to talk to them. And I found there were more people in that situation. Fortunately, than people in situations like yours where the parents were reluctant to talk, which I think hopefully the readers of the book are going to come away realizing that these conversations aren't as scary as they think they might be. And even sometimes when parents push back, if you are patient and you continue trying, you can get through to them. Probably though, my favorite story is this kind of worst case scenario story, what happens when you don't have the conversation. I, I really don't want people to skip this chapter. I interviewed a man named Doug Nordman, who is a super financially savvy guy. He's a personal finance blogger, and he's written a book about money. It's geared toward military members. He had not talked to his father before he developed Alzheimer's. And his father ended up in the hospital for an emergency surgery and then ended up in a nursing home for rehabilitation for a while. Doug, who lives in Hawaii, had to go to Colorado when his dad was getting the surgery and ended up in the nursing home and wanted to make sure his dad's bills got paid. But he couldn't. He couldn't get access to his dad's bank account because his dad had not named him power of attorney. And so Doug ended up spending nine months and $10,000 going through the court process to get legal access to his dad's financial accounts. And then he also had to spend all this other money out of pocket covering his dad's bills until he did get access to his, his dad's bank account. You know, and I, it's so important for people to realize that your parents need certain legal documents before you can step in and start making financial decisions for them or healthcare decisions for them if an emergency arises. You can't just go to the bank and say, you know, hey, my dad just had a stroke or my dad has Alzheimer's and he's in the hospital. I need to sign his checks for them to pay his bill because the bank is going to say, no way, not unless you're power of attorney. That story in particular highlights 
some of the things that can go really wrong if you don't have these conversations soon enough with your parents. Mm, yeah, definitely highlights that necessity. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure some of those worst case scenario stories like that, I mean, they're just eye opening, right, Cameron? So, I mean, why is it though that you wanted to actually write the book? Was there a, a sort of moment in your life when you realized that this just need, needed to be out there? Or yeah, what was it for you that, that kind of lit the fire under you? It was my mom's situation. My mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she was 65 and I was only 35. And I had to step in and get involved with her finances. And I had not had detailed conversations with her before she started having memory problems. I did talk her into going to meet with an attorney to update all of her legal documents. And this was this was right around the time of the Alzheimer's diagnosis. Her dementia had not progressed too far. She was still competent enough to sign those documents. But because I had not talked to her and had to start getting involved, you know, trying to figure out someone's finances when they don't have a clear picture of them themselves because they're having memory problems was incredibly difficult for me. And I was at a point in my life where I didn't have any friends who were going through a similar situation. I mean, I was 35 years old. Yeah, you were young. Your your mom was young to receive that diagnosis. And then on top of just all the emotions that you're feeling and the difficulty of processing this change in your relationship with your mom, you're having to sort out the financial piece too. Right. And I didn't have anyone to ask for advice. Like I had to figure this all out on my own, even though, you know, there were some things I certainly knew that I needed to do as a financial journalist. But Several years down the road, when my friends started coming to me and asking me for advice on how to talk to their parents, and they started having, you know, some of their parents were having issues with their own health or memory, I realized that by sharing my story, my experience, my mistakes in a book, I could help other people do what I had to figure out on my own. And so that's what prompted me to write the book. Well, I, I think hearing uh, that story about you being 35 and your mom being 65, like that's so young and that's so hard. But it makes me realize like I'm a 35-year-old sitting right here. And so these things can happen at any time. And the longer we prolong these conversations with our parents about money, just the more likely that we might have to wade through something even more difficult with our parents. So I, I want to ask you, Cameron, what do you think is keeping most of us from having those hard conversations with our folks? And how do we move past the fears that we have like to get the conversation started? There are a variety of reasons why people don't have these conversations with their parents. For a lot of people, they just don't realize that they need to be having the conversation. And that was my situation. It wasn't that I was afraid to talk to my mom about money. I just didn't realize how important it was to have the conversation, even though I was and still am a financial journalist. It just didn't dawn on me that this was something I needed to talk to her about. So first of all, you might not realize it's important. And I'm telling you right now that it is. Of course, you might be afraid because you were brought up to believe that you don't talk about money. My father told me, you don't talk about money. It's impolite. And my father was always very reluctant to talk about money. And he died at the age of 61. I was 28 and he died without a will. And he was an attorney. <laughs> so he should have known oh, better, wow. you know, and, and if I could go back, you know, I would have used the opportunity to when I got married to say, Dad, I just got married. Do I need a will now? And maybe that would have spurred him to write his own will. You know, so you, your parents might have told you you don't talk about money. And so you're afraid to bring it up with them. You, you might be afraid that your parents are thinking you're being nosy or greedy. If I, if I talk to them about their finances, they're going to think I'm asking because I want to know what I'm going to get when they die. And I want to make it very clear that these conversations need to be about your parents' best interest. It's not about you. It's not about what you hope to get. In fact, you shouldn't even go into these conversations thinking that you're going to get anything when your parents die. If they happen to leave you money or property, then hey, that's just icing on the cake. You know, you need to prepare your own finances. You want to talk to them so that you can first of all figure out where they stand financially because it could impact your finances. If they are going to have to rely on you for support because they haven't saved enough for retirement 
or because they're going to need you to provide long-term care for them because they don't have a way to pay for it. This is something you need to know sooner rather than later so you can prepare your own finances. You want to know whether they have essential legal documents, a will, power of attorney, living will, because if they don't and they are no longer mentally competent enough to sign those documents, it's too late and you could have to go through court to get the legal right to access their finances. And of course, if someone dies without a will, you and your siblings could end up in court battling it out over who gets what. Letting them know that you want to talk to them about their finances because you want to be prepared in case of an emergency. You want to have a plan, all of you, in case they need long-term care. Framing it in the right way and letting them know, mom and dad, this is about you. This is about making sure that I know what your wishes are, that I make sure that I can grant those wishes, that I know what sort of care you want to make sure that you can age comfortably. I want to have these conversations because you took such good care of me. And if you ever need me to help you, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's so much that goes into it as far as the reasoning, like the reason why behind that we're having these conversations is so important to make sure that we're framing it correctly, just like you said, that we have the right tone and that we're presenting it in in just a a healthy and proper way. And so Cameron, you you just shared a bunch of reasons why we need to be talking about this. We're going to take a quick break. But after that, we're going to dive into just some of the specific topics that we should be talking about, as well as just how to go about having those conversations. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. 
So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back and we're talking with Cameron Huddleston. And the topic that we're covering today is having these essential money conversations with your parents. So Cameron, naturally, a lot of our minds probably go to, what if our parents don't have enough in retirement to last them? That is a question I think that's probably on the front of our minds. But what are some additional topics that might be easy to overlook that we should be discussing with our parents? A big one is long-term care. Because... Studies have found that by the time, if you have already reached the age of 65, there is a very good chance that you're going to end up needing long-term care at some point in the rest of your life. It's, it's as much as like half of adults who reach age 65, half or more are going to need long-term care. And what that is, for anyone who's not familiar with the term, long-term care is the care that you would get. It can either be in your home, an assisted living facility, a nursing facility, Care for someone because you can no longer physically or mentally take care of yourself. And it typically involves all activities of daily living. It includes eating, bathing, dressing, everything really. And so many adults don't have any sort of plan for long-term care. They don't have long-term care insurance to pay for it. And and people need to know Medicare does not pay for long-term care. Not the type of care that you would get in an assisted living facility and a nursing home if it's actually long-term care, but not just you know rehabilitation after a stroke, even the care that you would get in home. Medicare does not pay for that. Long-term care insurance will. Obviously, if you have savings, it will pay for that. There are a couple other different strategies you can use. An annuity, for example, a reverse mortgage can help pay for it. Medicaid will pay for long-term care. But you have to have very few assets and very low income. So it's really important to discuss with your parents. Hey, mom and dad, you know, I was just reading this article about the real high cost of long-term care. Did you know that an assisted living facility or a home health aid can cost $4,000 a month? And that's right now. You know, that's in, you know, $2019. You know, mom and dad, you're only in your 60s now. By the time you're in your 70s or 80s, that cost could be a lot higher. I just want to know if you have any sort of plan for this. Have you thought about how you would pay for it if you need this care? Have you thought about where you would want to receive care? And of course, they're going to likely want it in their homes because that's where most people want to receive care. Sometimes it's not possible. And if they say, well, you know, if something happens to me and I have dementia or if I have a stroke and I'm I'm in a wheelchair and I can't get around on my own, I need help. Of course, I'd like it in my home. Well, then the conversation turns to, is the house that you're living in now set up to allow you to continue living there if something were to happen to you? You have stairs, you have a two-story house. How are you going to get to your bedroom if you're in a wheelchair? How are you going to get in and out of the bathtub to bathe if you cannot move well on your own? So, the long-term care conversation is very important. The housing conversation, do you want to stay in your house? Can you stay in your house? You know, maybe it would be a good idea for you to downsize now. Then it'll free up extra money for retirement and you can do fun things like travel. You don't have to put a negative spin on it, certainly. The long-term care, it's kind of hard to get around the fact that it's it is indeed a depressing topic. <laughs> no one no one wants to think about the fact that they might have to rely on someone else for support, but the housing conversation doesn't necessarily have to be as difficult. Talking to your parents about the benefits as opposed to, oh my gosh, mom and dad, you really need to move out of this giant house because I know you can't afford the upkeep and I know <laughs> I don't want you calling me every day to mow your grass and <laughs> you know, you don't want to make it negative. You want to focus on the positive aspects. 
Yeah, and and so you you mentioned like the potential of doing something like reverse mortgage to fund long term care that's needed. And, you know, reverse mortgages, of course, fraught with fees and potential yes. pitfalls as well. But on the other side, long term care insurance is so expensive, and the costs have risen so much in the last few years. So that's been a pitfall for folks too. What kind of costs are we talking about if mom and dad don't have a long term care insurance policy, and is that something that they should be considering even as the costs have risen so greatly? It's certainly something you should encourage your parents to look into. If your parents are still in their 50s, they are going to get a much better rate on long-term care insurance than if they wait until their 60s. And certainly if they wait until their 70s, there's a good chance they can't even get it. They won't even qualify. They might have too many other health issues. If you are in good health, if you are in your 50s, it's going to cost you, and it is expensive, but it can cost you around two to $300 a month. And this could be for a couple with a, a shared benefit. My husband and I actually went through the process recently of getting some quotes for long-term care insurance. And we've decided we're going to wait a few more years before we sign up because it is expensive. There are a variety of ways to keep the cost down, but you could encourage your parents to look into it and see if they could afford it. And they might say, oh my gosh, $300 a month. There's no way. But it's worth pointing out, if you can't afford $300 a month for long-term care insurance, how are you going to be able to afford $4,000 a month, $5,000 a month for the actual long-term care? If, if they're great with their retirement savings or if they have a pension and they have a guaranteed source of income and they've done a great job of planning for their retirement, then there might be the funds there to pay for it out of pocket. If they own their house outright, and perhaps, and this would certainly be harder if there are two parents because you don't want to sell the house and leave one parent without a place to live. But this is something I did with my mother because she and my father were divorced and she was living on her own and she did not have long-term care insurance. So, I basically had to have a very strategic plan for paying for her long-term care. And one of the first things I did is when it became obvious she could no longer live in her house, she moved in with me for a while. We sold the house and that was a source of money for the long-term care. There are some ways to pay for it. There are some ways to keep the cost down, like moving your parent in with you, taking advantage of programs such as like adult daycare services that will keep basically... It's what the name suggests. I mean, it's a it's daycare for adults, but it's only during the day. And if you've got a parent who has serious dementia or serious issues with mobility, they're going to need more extensive round-the-clock care. And that certainly can get a lot more expensive. And unfortunately, most people's long-term care plan is a family member. It's a spouse. It's a child. Some other relative who has to provide that care and that providing that care can be a full-time job. So Cameron, you mentioned like your parents were divorced and that your mom, you know, you had to kind of look after her. Like how does that actually change the conversation when your parents are separated like that? Do you cover different topics because of that or is the timing different? Uh, how, how does that come into play? I don't think the timing is different at all. In fact, if your parents do get divorced and you haven't had this conversation already, it's an opportune moment to have the conversation, you know, reaching out to mom or dad and saying, you know, I know this divorce has been very difficult for you, but I really would love to sit down when you have a moment to talk about what things are going to be like going forward. What sort of plans you have now that you are alone and how I might have to play a role as you age because there's no longer dad there, or there's no longer mom, you know, your spouse to help you out. I want to know if you ever need me to help you, what I need to know about your finances so that I can help you. It's life events are a great opportunity to start these conversations. And certainly it is so imperative to have these conversations if your parents do get divorced, because there's a greater chance that the parent will rely on the child for help as they age because they no longer have the support from a spouse. Yeah, I was going to say there's almost more pressure on kids with divorced parents because you're dealing with with each parent individually 
and I could see them relying on you a lot more because they don't have right their 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 better half to to relate to when it comes to saving for their future, thinking about long term care, thinking about their retirement. So I got to imagine that those conversations become a little more difficult. I wanted to ask you too, Cameron. What about involving siblings in the conversation? Let's say you have multiple siblings, or at least just one other sibling. How do you involve your siblings in these conversations with your parents about money? And then like, also, how do you prevent arguments uh, amongst each other during the process? Because, man, we've all heard stories about siblings just getting caught up in, in minutia and then arguing just intensely during that process. I think it's really important if you have siblings to talk to them before you even have these financial conversations with your parents. And I say this for several reasons. First of all, if you go to your parents and have the conversation with them about their finances and don't even tell your siblings that you're going to be doing it, and then they get wind that you've had the conversation, they might be angry. They might be resentful. You know, why why did you do this without telling me? I are you trying to like, you know, work your way in on mom and dad's good side so you get all the money when they die? I mean, who knows? You're trying to be, you're, son, to be, yeah. you're, I get it, I get it. You're the oldest. You want to, you know, you want to step in and take charge and make sure you get everything. It could create resentment. It could create anger and it could cause a split among the siblings. Aside from avoiding any sort of resentment, you want to get on the same page with your siblings. You want to discuss together the best time to have the conversation with mom and dad, the best way to approach it, whether you want to do it together. And maybe you're not the right person to be having the conversation. Maybe mom and dad get along a little better with your older brother or sister or your younger brother or sister. And maybe it's the other sibling who should be initiating the conversation. Talking to your siblings allows you to figure out how you should best approach your parents. And it also allows you to agree on what roles you're willing to play in your parents' lives as they age. You might say, I live closest to mom and dad, so I'm going to be the one to step up and drive them to doctor's appointments and help them out if they need it. And you know, your brother, your sister, who's better with money, maybe they're going to be the one who says, okay, I volunteer to be power of attorney. You know, if mom and dad want to name me power of attorney, I volunteer to be the executor for their will because I feel more comfortable with the financial side of things. And maybe you've got another sibling who's more comfortable, you know, stepping into the role of healthcare proxy, the person who will make medical decisions for mom and dad if they are no longer able to. Uh, so kind of hashing out these roles beforehand so that when you go to your parents, you can say, you know, we've been talking, you know, we love you, mom and dad. You took such good care of us. We want to return the favor. You know, we all have kind of figured out what we can do, what we're willing to do. Of course, we want to respect what you want, but we want you to know that we've had these conversations and we want to be able to help and and we're, we're in this together. And, you know, that that can make it easier for parents to feel comfortable talking to their kids if they know their kids are united and not divided because, you know, last thing parents want to do is see their kids fight. Now, like you said, in some families, they are, there is going, there will be fights. Like you, you, no matter how hard you try, you know, your siblings might not want to do it your way. And it shouldn't be just about doing it your way. Honestly, it should be, we're having this conversation so we can figure out what's best for mom and dad. And, and, and agreeing when you sit down that this is all about what's best for mom and dad might help limit the arguments and allowing everyone to have a say. And if you're the one who's calling the meeting with your siblings, you go last and let everyone have a chance to talk and not pass any judgment. And then everyone has their say. And at the end, you speak and then you try to find some common ground. Try to get on the same page with them. Try to come to some agreement before talking to them. Yeah, it makes sense that you should include them on the front end. But I love that strategy to get together before you end up having that conversation with your parents. So uh, we're going to take a break real quick. And then we've got a few more things that we want to ask you, Cameron. And specifically, we are going to talk about how to organize some of the information as these conversations occur. And we're going to get to that right after the break. (music) 
When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we are back from the break. And Cameron, I wanted to ask you because most folks, they would rather talk about like sex or politics, literally anything else than have these money conversations oftentimes with their parents. And then sometimes it's too late because they're putting it off, right? When do you feel that folks should start having the conversations with their parents? Ideally, these conversations should happen when your parents are relatively young. And, and by that, I mean, you know, in their... 50s would be perfect when they're healthy, ideally before they've even retired. Now, that means, you know, you're probably in your 20s when you're having this conversation and you're probably in your 20s oh, yeah. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I I don't even have my own financial act together. How am I supposed to go talk to my parents about their finances? Yeah, you might not even have like started investing in a 401k or right. an IRA or anything like that. You probably don't even know what you're doing in your early <laughs> mid-20s. Yeah, but it's time. a perfect opportunity for you to have this conversation in a very natural way because you go to your parents asking for advice. Mom and dad, I just started a new job. They are giving me a chance to set aside some of my paycheck for retirement. Should I do it? 
And then your parents' response is going to give you a clue as to what they've done. They might say, well, you know, I have a pension and I didn't have to worry about that. Or yes, do it. I wish I had started saving sooner. Or I don't know. I really, I have a retirement account at work and I really don't even understand it. Their response is going to give you some insight into what they've done with their own retirement planning. Or maybe you say, hey, I just got married. Do I need a will? Do I need life insurance? And your parents might say, yes, do it now. Or they might say, gosh, you know, I've been meaning to write a will forever. And that life insurance policy, I don't know. It was a term policy. I don't even know if it's still in effect. So their answers are going to give you a clue to what they've done. And and when you're young, it makes sense to be asking them for advice when you're in yeah, your it's just all about positioning them, right right, right. by <laughs> the time you present the information by the time you're my age and you're in your 40s it would be a little bit awkward to go to your parents and yeah. ask for advice mm. because they might think you know oh you you should have this figured out by now you're <laughs> you're a grown-up you have your own kids why are you asking me for advice your when husband you- has a doctorate in economics Cameron. what are you doing <laughs> exactly. you're writing for business insider you should have this figured out Cameron. exactly <laughs> don't you know this yeah because when you're young you have a really good opportunity to have these conversations without it seeming so awkward obviously not all your listeners are in their 20s that ship has sailed <laughs> but the thing is don't wait don't wait for your parents to start having health issues. Don't wait for them to start showing signs that they might be having trouble getting by in retirement. The sooner you can have these conversations, the better. And you know this personally, Joel, because sometimes it can take a while. We're talking years to get your parents comfortable enough talking about what can be a very sensitive topic. And if you wait until they're, you know, in their late 60s, early 70s, and they're reluctant to talk, by the time they finally might come around, it might be because an emergency is forcing them to talk to you and you don't have things in place for you to actually legally get involved with their finances, legally make healthcare decisions for them. So don't wait. Commit yourself to having these conversations as soon as possible. Yeah, you referenced kind of my situation with my parents. And for sure, I, I got to say, I'm willing to fall on the sword in large part on this too. I, especially in my 20s, was a little more abrasive and thought, <laughs> thought I knew more than I did probably and didn't always approach the situation with care with kind of that tenderness that I needed to. And so I think my parents probably felt a little, I don't know if threatens the right word or, or what it was, but you know, I'm, like I mentioned to you too, Cameron, in, in the book, like my parents and I are incredibly close. We have this great relationship that's been built, you know, over over the 35 years that I've been alive, and, and so I, I certainly don't want to make it sound like it's been all difficulty. My my parents, uh, we have this fantastic relationship. It's just that this area of money is so sensitive, and I didn't always approach it really well. So I want to ask you, let's say you are in your 20s and you're like me and you're bad at beginning the conversation. <laughs> does it ever does it ever help to to have like a third party to to come in and to help you start that conversation? It certainly can help, especially if you have parents who are reluctant to talk about money, you might uh, ask a family friend whom you know has had conversations with their children or who has been really good about planning for their retirement or they have all the estate documents that they need, getting them to mention something to your parents, you know, hey, I I talked to my kids. It's really great. You know, we're all on the same page now. We have a plan for dealing with emergencies. You know, they know who the power of attorney is. They know who the executor or the will is. Getting a family friend, a relative. If your parents are already working with an attorney or an accountant or a financial professional, reaching out to that professional. Of course, they cannot divulge any information about their parent, your parents' finances or legal situation to you, but you can ask them that they suggest to your parents that they share information with you because, you know, as their children, these are things that you need to know. You might have a clergy member, you know, your, your rabbi or the, the minister at your church, Reaching out to that person and saying, you know, please, I would love it if you could talk to my mom and dad about how important it would be to talk to me and my siblings about their finances. Getting that third party involved can be very helpful because oftentimes your parents are going to take the advice 
of a peer more so than they're going to listen to their kids because they still think of you as kids. And that kid maybe who, you know, broke the rules and stayed out too late and didn't listen to them. And even though you're 35 years old now and successful, you're still their kid and they don't want (laughs) to listen to advice from you. It's much easier for it to come from someone their own age. Sounds like you just described Matt with all the breaking the rules stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. Honestly, I was thinking about just me taking advice from my kids. I'm like, I'm not ready to take advice from my two-year-old just yet. But you think about your spouse too, okay? You think about this. Like, How many times have you been in a situation where you've told your spouse, hey, honey, you should do this. Hey, honey, you should do this. And then the friend comes over and suggests it. And then your spouse is like, do you know what so-and-so just said to me? I think we should do that. And you're like, I've been telling you that for like the past month. (laughs) And it applies to your parents too. You know, you could say, mom and dad, let's have this conversation. Let's talk. Can we talk about, do you have a will, whatever? And then you're like, I don't want to talk about this. We're going to talk about it later. I don't want to talk about it. And then their best friend says it and they're like, oh my gosh, Martha was just telling me about how she, you know, recently updated her will and all her estate documents and told the kids where they are. I think we need to sit down and do this. So (laughs) getting someone else involved might light that fire under your parents. Mr. Cameron, as we have these conversations with our parents, how would you recommend we go about organizing that information and and what should we include in these documents or files or or however it is that we kind of gather all this stuff together? Ideally, the more information you can get from your parents, the better. And if they are willing to sit down and have conversations with you, you want to take notes. That doesn't mean you need to bring your computer along and, you know, fire up the Excel spreadsheet because that's, that can be more intimidating. It makes it look like it's a, it's a business meeting, not a conversation (laughs) where your parents can relax. And these, and these conversations, they should be relaxed because they, they can be awkward, but you know, let your parents know that you, you want to sit down and have the conversations. And is it okay if I take some notes? Because I don't want to forget this mom and dad. And it's so important. And I want to make sure I get it right. And so, you know, hopefully they're going to say, sure. Or you could just simply say, you know, mom and dad, I, I recognize that this might be a little bit awkward and you might feel a little uncomfortable telling me these details about your finances. How about we do this instead? How about you write down the details of your finances for me? You make a list of the accounts you have. You make a list of the insurance policies you have. You make a list of the assets you have. Anything that you can think of, Put it on the list. And the more detail you can provide me, the better with usernames and passwords for online accounts, account numbers, the name of the bank where you bank, the types of accounts that you have at your bank, the location of the key to the house, where the will is, you know, who's your power of attorney, the name of your actual attorney or your accountant. The more information you can put on this list for me, mom and dad, the better. And then you put it someplace safe and tell me where it is in case I need to access it. And we can even agree on the instances when I would be allowed to access this information. And this gives your parents control because a lot of times they're reluctant to have these conversations because they're feeling like they're giving up control to you. And so you're letting them, I'm, I'm giving you control. You have the list, you have all this information, you tell me where to find it and you tell me at what point I can access it at what point you might need help and you might need my help. And so you're letting them maintain that control. But I do have on my website on CameronHuddleston.com, a fill in the blank financial inventory that's free and you can download it and give it to your parents and ask them to fill it out and store it someplace safe to make it easy. Yeah, that's great. We'll totally include a link to that in the show notes, by the way, as well. So, I mean, as far as these documents, right? Like how often... Like you mentioned this earlier, I think. But how often should you go back and and update those? Is this something that you should sort of revisit every six months, every year? Or you know, maybe like once every five years just to make sure that nothing major has changed? I'm, I'm curious about that. I would certainly recommend, you know, that if your parents are, you know, open to these conversations and they're open to giving you this information, set a reminder for yourself once a year to check in. Hey, mom and dad, I just, you know, I just went through and updated my list of accounts and I just want to check in to make sure there haven't been any changes. Maybe you've changed some passwords or usernames. Maybe you've gotten rid of an account that you no longer are using. 
just update your list if you've got your list or if you've given it to me, anything that I need to know about, just so that we're on top of everything. You know, set yourself a reminder and then talk to them about it. I actually have some friends whose parents give them an updated Excel spreadsheet every six months. <laughs> They're that on top of it. Wow. Those those are the lucky few, you know. That sounds like me when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> you know, those are the that sounds awesome. <laughs> those are the lucky few. But you know, not all parents are gonna do that. But you might be surprised. You know, your parents might be much more willing to give you this information than you think and you're making it out to be a bigger the deal than it really is. But certainly setting a reminder to remind your parents to update any list of accounts that they have or to update you on any major changes certainly would be a good idea. Just we haven't talked a whole lot about this, but I really want to highlight the importance of those legal documents. Like if the only thing that you can find out from your parents is whether they have a will, power of attorney and a living will, which is also called an advanced healthcare directive. If that's the only information you could pull out of them, that's great because those documents are so important. You know, and, and it sounds like it's something only rich people do when you talk about estate planning documents, but these are documents everyone should have. You need a will to spell out who gets what, even if you don't have a lot, because your state has a will for you if you don't have your own. And the state law is going to decide who gets what. And it might not be the person your parents want to get the house or the car or whatever they leave behind. The power of attorney is a legal document that lets you name someone to make financial decisions for you if you no longer can. So your parents need to name a power of attorney. And again, this feels like they're giving up power by doing this, but you want to remind them, mom and dad, wouldn't you rather pick the person who's going to make these very important decisions for you if you no longer can than to have a judge decide who's going to do it, then have someone step up and say, hey, I want to be the one who's in charge and they go through the legal process to do it. And then finally, the living will advanced healthcare directive lets you spell out your end of life medical treatment that you do or do not want and lets you name someone to make medical decisions for you. All of these documents have to be signed while you are still mentally competent. So it's so important to have them. Ideally, you want to meet with an attorney to draft them. If that doesn't fit within your parents' budget, there are lower cost versions online at sites such as nolo.com, LegalZoom, Rocket Lawyer. Um, you know, but you could offer, if you are in a financial position where you can afford it, you might even suggest that you want to give it to your parents as a gift. You know, I did my will and my power of attorney and all my other estate planning documents, mom and dad. I'm so glad I've done this. I'd love to give it to you as a Christmas gift this year. I'd love to give it to you as a Mother's Day gift, a Father's Day gift. Offer it to them. That's a great idea, Cameron. I just want to say if anybody's thinking about getting me a will for my birthday or Christmas, <laughs> don't do it because that's not what I want. Okay. <laughs> and and we did talk about wills actually back in episode 42. So if folks want to know, even for themselves, if you're in your 20s or 30s and you've started a young family, the importance of wills. For, for your own self and your own family, are that's a very important step to take. So you can check that out and we'll link to that in the show notes. We have one more question for you, Cameron. And and by the way, Cameron, thank you so much for, for going over those specific necessities, those legal needs. That really helps give people a, a place to start on, on the right foot. But on that note, what one piece of advice do you have for people to kind of get the ball rolling in this direction if they've gotten information overload from this conversation and they're like, where do I begin? Where do they begin? <laughs> I know it is a lot of information. First, begin by telling yourself that as scary as these conversations might seem, they're probably not going to be nearly as awkward as you think they will be. You're, you're probably building it up in your head to be something terrible. Your parents are going to get mad. That is probably not going to happen, especially if you have a good relationship with your parents. So first thing, get over the fear that you might have, because I can tell you that as scary as the conversations might seem, the consequences of not having them can be a whole lot worse and a whole lot more expensive for you if you end up in court because your parents didn't name a power of attorney and you have to go through the legal process of becoming their conservator. Get past your fears of having the conversation because it is so important that you have it. And then figure out what approach you want to take, whether it's using a story about me, for example, 
whose mother developed Alzheimer's at 65 and I had to get involved with her finances and say I listened to a podcast about a woman who had to get involved with her mom's finances and she hadn't had conversations. Mom and dad, let's talk so this doesn't happen to us. Or asking your parents for advice or you know, just simply telling them, mom and dad, I really want to have conversations with you about your finances so we can be prepared. Get over your fears and figure out the approach you want to take and then find the time to do it. Find the time when you can sit down, have the conversation without being rushed. Should not be during the Thanksgiving meal or the holiday meal because there are going to be other people there who don't need to be part of the conversation. (laughs) Talk to your siblings, get them all on board, but get over your fear, make your plan and do it. And we all know what the tryptophan of the turkey would do to a conversation like this, you know, it would drain all the energy out of right, it. Right. Or someone's being, you know, had too much wine and then things get out of hand and everyone starts yelling and it's not a good scene at all. Well, Cameron, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us on this episode. And where can folks find you as well as your book? You can find out more information about me, about my book. I've got resources for people to use with their parents. It's all at CameronHuddleston.com. And there are links to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and the other places where you can buy the book. Awesome. Cameron, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Cameron. All right, Joel. Man, that was so good. What a great conversation, which is funny to say about something that isn't always the brightest topic. I remember when we did our episode on wills. Anytime we talk about something that is about end-of-life care or insurance, bad situations. It's kind of a downer. But man, this was actually a really encouraging conversation. And I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk with Cameron about this. Well, I think a lot of people, there's this trepidation to even get started, right? It, it is such a difficult thing to say, I'm going to talk to my parents about their money and their future and their retirement and long-term care. But I think Cameron gave us some of the tools to get started and some of the motivation of why it's important and how it's going to help us and our parents at the same time. So yeah. it was really good stuff. Yeah, I totally agree, man. So for you, what was your big takeaway? I think my big takeaway was the fact that you know my parents are, are in their mid-60s, but I still need to get a handle on some of these specific documents and whether they have them, what state they're in. And that's a conversation. You know, We've had other conversations about retirement in the future and how they're doing getting ready for retirement, but, but I haven't gotten a power of attorney or, and I don't know if they have a will. And so that's on my mm-hmm. to-do list for the coming weeks to, to kind of start to have those specific conversations and drill down and see where they're at in, in those regards. What about you? What was uh, the big takeaway for you in this? For me, I thought the biggest takeaway that I gleaned was for our younger listeners, for them to start these conversations with their parents when they're young, maybe fresh out of college, and to start building this sort of culture of talking about these things, right? This shouldn't be something that is never talked about until you're in a tough situation. This could instead be a healthy dialogue. And in particular, I just loved what she said about going to your parents for advice. Me too. Yeah. And you start learning uh, about maybe what to actually do in life, but you kind of start seeing what they're doing. And some of that might be good. Some of that might not be so good. But you start kind of gauging the temperature of the water a little bit. But what a great way to have these smaller conversations sooner that feel just more casual. I think that's how I would have liked to have approached it maybe when I was fresh out of college. As it is, I actually can't really remember when I started having these conversations with my parents. But I know for a lot of our younger listeners that that could be an amazing way to just start that dialogue. Yeah, you know, it feels sneaky like a fox to to ask for (laughs) advice and then get the conversation rolling that way. Like the smart kind of way to approach it. You know, people love being asked for advice. And so if you approach the conversation in that way, you'll find that the doors just open a little bit easier. So it makes a lot of sense. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on the show. While we were talking with Cameron, we had a brewery called Fairy Nectar IPA by Cross Strain Brewing Company. This beer was donated to us by Joey in Omaha. And what do you think of this beer, man? I am a huge fan of this beer. I thought this was really fantastic. It was uh, incredibly balanced. And so it didn't quite taste like an old school IPA, but it also wasn't full on uh, New England style hazy IPA either. It was just really balanced. I love the hot bitterness that came through, but I also really liked there's some juicy notes coming through as well. But how about you, man? What were your thoughts on this beer? Yeah, to me, I agree. This wasn't old school. This wasn't completely new school. It was kind of like the cool kid but the effortlessly cool kid, right? Uh, and so it was a really good beer. It was it was even bodied. It was it was fresh, had these nice aromas. And I thought it had this nice little grapefruit vibe going on, which I love in a good IPA. So I thought this was a really, really good beer. And so big thanks to Joey for sending it our way, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Joey. All right, Matt, that's going to be it for this episode. And we are giving away a couple copies of Cameron's book, yeah. Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. 
And a lot of our listeners could use the in-depth, long-form advice in Cameron's book. And so the way to get entered into that drawing is to follow us on Instagram. All you have to do is click that follow button and then send us an email at howtomoneypod at gmail.com by Friday at noon, and you will be entered into that drawing. We'll announce the winners on Monday's podcast a week from today. Yeah, Joel, and to find us on Instagram, just search How to Money Pod. Yeah, and if you already follow us on Instagram, that's cool too. You are already entered in, <laughs> but we still need that email from you letting us know that's how you get entered. Exactly. Yeah. So that's going to be it for this episode, man. We'll have our show notes up per usual at howtomoney.com. And Joel, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.